Welcome to the Cook Center Podcast, and here's your host. Effort from Luke Falk earlier. Now he's giving way to the backup. Is Halinski open? River Craycraft. Touchdown. First career touchdown pass for Tyler Halinski. 71 yards. Oh my God, he's stealing all the burgers. Why, you little guy? It's all just just an act. Stop! Stop! He's already dead. Michael Preston. Kinda what it felt like. <laughs> you, I, you see that? I, I use that, you know, picture on Twitter all the time during beatdowns of, you know, football team, basketball, whatever, teams. It felt kind of really good to be the one administering the hashtag beat him down on Saturday, didn't it? If it, You can admit it. This is a safe space. This is a safe space. We can all talk about our feelings here. Okay, this is safe right here. And I can tell you that that felt pretty freaking good. <laughs> that felt really good. Welcome back to the Kook Center Hour uh, after a, just a prodigious, I, I don't know if I'm using that word correctly, but it just sounds so cool, a prodigious beatdown uh, of the Arizona Wildcats last Saturday. I mean, it just really bad. Nick Kranz from uh, California Golden Blog is going to join us here in a little bit. Talk about the upcoming game against California uh, and uh, another game that probably features to be a shootout but let's focus for a minute uh here on this Arizona game I, I I I said this on Twitter uh on Saturday this has been a long time coming for a few reasons let's start with the first reason uh of that we were finally waiting for a version of a WSU team that could do this to a football team into a football team that is not very good and that they should do it to. I, I really do not have a complaint about that game outside of the first play that was called back. I really don't have a complaint. I mean, not at all. They should have done that to Arizona and they did do it to Arizona. They absolutely smacked them around. WSU is finally in a place as a football team with enough skill players, with enough talent everywhere, that when they're playing a depleted team like Arizona, when they're playing a team that's dealing with injuries, that is dealing with a talent gap on top of those injuries, WSU is finally to the point where they're going to win a football game like that. Where they're going to score pretty much at will. I mean, it, it there there was it felt like there was absolutely no stopping them. It just it it felt like whenever they got the football in that game, there there was just there was no doubt about what was going to happen. At all. I mean, it, it... Take a look at the first half for Washington State. These are their drives. Field goal, touchdown, 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 punt. That was at the end of the half. Second half. Touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, end of game. So it, it literally is true. On only one drive, if we don't, I'm not going to count when you're taking knees. I'm not going to count that. On only one drive, did they not score? So literally, all the you know all the times I hyperbole, you hear people saying, you know, it felt like they scored on every drive. WSU pretty much literally did that. Outside of one drive, they scored every time they had the football. And they're finally to a point where as a team, as a unit, they can do that to an inferior team. 
The second thing I wanted to make a talk about with this is that we've been waiting for this game. We've been waiting for this game for four and a half years from Mike Leach. It felt like at times the talent was there to do it, but they had never done it. They never really just stepped on the gas pedal and kept their foot there until the car ran out of gas and went careening off the bridge. They just kept their foot down on the gas pedal and did not stop against Arizona. They just kept going and scored 69 points to Arizona's 7. A 62-point margin of victory. That's completely bonkers. But we've been waiting for a game like this from this football team because Mike Leach's Texas Tech teams, and I, I don't like bringing up his old teams because he's been at WSU now for four and a half years. This is his fifth season. But when he was at Tech, they did this to teams. They did this to teams as bad as Arizona. And it's what you should be doing, as I said. You should be doing this to teams as bad as Arizona. You should be going field goal, five touchdowns, punt. You should be going field goal, four touchdowns, end of game, against teams like this. And we've been waiting so long for this, and it finally happened. A game where WSU has an advantage in terms of injuries, an advantage in terms of talent, an advantage in terms of everything. It finally happened, and WSU absolutely annihilated an opponent. I was in the stands to be on the other end of a lot of those. Cal, Oregon, USC, Stanford. All these teams that would come into Martin Stadium and it was like going up against a practice squad. Like 66-3 against Cal, 63-6 against Oregon my junior year. Yeah, everybody remembers 69 to nothing with USC when Pete Carroll was taking knees in the red zone. Threw the ball one time in the second half. Basically did everything he could short of just taking three straight knees and running it and, and just punting it on every drive. I remember what it's like to be on the other side of that. On the other side of that beatdown. And I don't think Arizona's as bad a football team as those versions of WSU. So I think that's why this 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 feels a little bit better than maybe those wins did for those teams. You know Arizona isn't as devoid of talent as those WSU teams were. Arizona's still not a very good football team, but WSU did to them what they should do to them. But it is so nice to be on the other side of one of those scoreboards, of one of those completely seesaw, imbalanced scoreboards. And especially coming from a guy who was there for, you know, God, no points, practically, you know, WSU being shut out for the first time in 30-some-odd years and regularity, with regularity, scoring under two touchdowns a game against Pac-12, 10 and 12 opponents. It was so nice to be on the other side of it. WSU is 7-2, and 6-0 in Pac-12 play. And again, another, just a weird, completely weird season. I, I think I think at this point I'm almost just done predicting game to game before the year what's going to happen because I don't, nobody, nobody had lose to Eastern, lose to Boise State, rattle off seven in a row. No one had that. No one did. No reasonable person did anyway. No reasonable person would have thought that. Especially after going 0-2. It just I hard to find, you know, folks who maybe thought that this would be the situation WSU's in right now. Tied for first in the Pac-12 North. And by the way, after last weekend, the Pac-12 North champ can come from nowhere other than the state of Washington. And it pretty much at this point 
looks like the Apple Cup is going to be a collision course for the Pac-12 North title. Because even if WSU loses a game before going into that game, they can still win and win the Pac-12 North. Because they would own the head-to-head with UW. So even if WSU drops one of its next two games, they are still eligible to go to the Pac-12 championship. Assuming they beat UW. But that that is a podcast for another day. We're not even going to talk about that right now, I guess. About the UW game. We are going to continue talking about the 6-0 in the Pac-12 play. So to go from where they were to where they are now, their, their conference record is bowl eligible. That, that is how nuts this has all been. Their conference record is now bowl eligible. That, that is just utterly amazing to me. Their conference record is bowl eligible. And now you get to play your second straight home game. Late at night again. I haven't been to a home game. I haven't been to the game since the Oregon game. And uh, we're going this week. And thank God we found a hotel in Pullman. We're staying at the Manor Lodge if anybody would like to join us. I know you probably don't. <laughs> but it's better than staying in Moscow and trying to catch a cab back after the game at midnight. Um, all these late games. I, I, I We'll get over that. But you're playing another team in Cal who arguably with a defense worse than than Arizona, and in fact, if I pull up the SAA, the NCA, the SAA, the NCAA defensive S and P rankings, these teams are on par with each other. Cal is one fifteenth in defensive S and P overall, ninety fourth in rushing, seventy first in passing. They are god awful on defense. Just below Arizona and Arizona State. And as Nick's going to tell you here in a few minutes, there are many reasons for that. But Cal is a football team that in the last few games has been struggling. We did make up, you know, I I, I think WSU is on the right trajectory, whereas Cal is kind of floundering in year four under Sonny Dykes. Cal, a game you should have won last year, a game you definitely should have won the year before. That game I still is seared into my my memory banks as a total nightmare. A game you did win the year before, but maybe shouldn't have in Berkeley. For whatever reason, the last three years, Cal has given you trouble. And I think it's finally time to again... Foot all the way down on the gas pedal in this game. Because Cal is reeling. They got the pants beat off him by UW last week. Davis Webb is having a hard time finding an open receiver. He's having a hard time completing a pass these last few weeks. Their defense, as we just highlighted, is just abhorrently bad. That's kind of a double negative there. Abhorrent does mean bad. But Cal is not a very good football team. They are 4-5, and and they need to win two of their last three just to get to bowl eligibility. Now, is that a possibility with Stanford and UCLA still on the schedule? Yeah, because they have both those games at home. UCLA is even worse than Cal at this point, despite the fact that they have a good defense. They can't do a damn thing on offense. And I never know what you're going to get out of Stanford right now. But Cal does kind of need this game. WSU needs this game if they want to stay in the Pac-12 North race. And again, this is a team you match up well with. You're going to be able to throw the football a lot on them. You're going to be able to run the football a lot on them. So a lot of this comes down on the defense this week. Can you do enough to stop Cal? Can you do enough to stop the Bear Raid? Can you do enough to stop Cal... Kalfani Muhammad and Vicken where or not Vicken Wary. Can you do enough to stop all of them? Chad Hansen. Can you do enough to beat them? Can you do just you don't even I mean it's not even really that much, right? You don't have to do too terribly much to stop this offense. Trey Watson was the other running back I was thinking of. 
Cal gives up a ton of points. Take a look at their last few games. 66 to Washington, 45 to SC, 49 to Oregon, 47 to Oregon State. 51 to 8 Arizona State, 43 to Texas, 45 to San Diego State. The least amount of points they've given up all year, 23 to Utah. <laughs> one game in the 20s, one game in the 30s. Their defense has literally given up something in the 40s every other game. In the 50s once, the 60s once. You should win this one big. You should win it going away. And like we said earlier, that's a pretty neat place to be after the first few weeks of the season, isn't it? Pretty freaking neat. Nick Krantz, California Golden Blogs, coming up next here on the Coop Center Hour. Here on the Coog Center Hour, fresh off a 69-7 throttling of the Arizona Wildcats. We're now going to talk to a team who also just had 60 points dropped on them. Or not talk to the team, but we'll talk to Nicholas Krantz, who covers the Cal Golden Bears for California Golden Blogs, our sister site on SB Nation. And uh, Nick, I think, uh, you know, I think most folks expected UW to win that football game last week, but I... I certainly didn't quite think that it would be by quite the margin uh, that they won down at Memorial. Is that kind of the same feeling you guys had? Yes and no. I mean, on the one hand, Washington had struggled, relatively speaking, in a couple of their road games against teams that probably aren't that much better than Cal. But on the other hand, Cal is really in a rough place right now with uh, injuries to key players and it's really shown in the complete lack of competitiveness in our last two games. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, if you were really looking at what Washington did well and what Cal wasn't going to be able to do well because of the guys that were out, mm-hmm. I think that what did happen was not as shocking as it would seem mm-hmm. on the surface of things. So far this season, uh, Cal's sitting at four and five, so they need to win two of these last three games here uh, to get to bowl eligibility uh, outside of the five and seven with, I can't remember, like the RP or the the exceptions for good grades and whatnot. But what's the feeling kind of right now for Cal fans? A couple of close games so far this year, games maybe shouldn't have lost, but also some games they maybe unexpectedly won. Kind of where is everybody with this football team right now? Uh, I think it's kind of a a frustrating, more of the same type of feeling. So the the good news for Cal fans is that the current regime has shown an ability to uh, cobble together an above-average offense, even when you're, like, having to replace uh, the number one overall pick in the NFL draft and, like, 80% of the production Mm -hmm. that uh, accompanied him. So it's like, great, we've got these coaches who – who know how to build a great offense even when everything's stacked up against them. Mm-hmm. We also have now proved that it doesn't matter what you're doing on the personnel side. On the other side of the ball, they don't know how to build a, even a, a remotely respectable defense. And I think people were willing to give a little bit of leeway if the offense fell back a little bit mm-hmm. because of what they were losing. But I think people are completely out of patience with uh, Sonny Dykes' regime because of their complete inability to field 
a defense that's even close to league average. And we'll talk about that more in a minute here, Nick. But I, I mean, just just looking at, I mean, defensively, I mean, there are a lot of numbers in the 30s, 40s, and uh, a couple getting close to 50 there. Uh, or, you know, Arizona State gave up 51, 66 to Washington. What, what what has been the issue defensively for Cal over these years? Is it just it just kind of everything, or are they just not recruiting well? What's been the problem? Yeah, it's, it's when when you have basically now had four straight years where you are ranked 100th or lower in pretty much every meaningful defensive metric, mm-hmm. then yeah, the explanation is pretty much everything. They haven't recruited well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Cal's Cal's classes have been you know seventh or eighth best in the Pac-12. And the strengths of those classes have been on the offensive side of the ball, so you can mm-hmm. kind of extrapolate where the defensive recruiting has been. I think their talent identification has not been good. So, like, you bring in a whole bunch of three-star guys, and nobody's a diamond in the rough. Right. Um, they've had injury problems pretty much every single year, too. Like, Darius Allensworth is one of our few above-average defensive players. He's one of our cornerbacks. He's out, probably going to be out for the Washington State game and has been out for a few weeks. They've had attrition issues where a bunch of defensive guys have grad transferred away. Um, just everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. Things that they can control and things that they can't mm-hmm. control. And that's why we are, uh, you know, 115th in the nation or whatever in S&P and mm-hmm. other metrics. Yeah. I think uh, one th- one thing that was good for Cal uh, in the offseason, Nick, was uh, Davis Webb decided to transfer to California because I think before the season, myself and a lot of other folks who you know maybe don't pay as close attention to Cal, but we all kind of looked and said, where's the quarterback? Where is the quarterback right now for California? And they got Davis Webb on a transfer. What's What's he been like this season? Completion percentage a little low, yards per attempt a little low, but his touchdown-interception ratio is still pretty decent. Uh, how, how's he been doing uh, this year in Sonny Dykes' offense? So for the first five games of the year, I think he exceeded even pretty high expectations for mm-hmm. a guy you know who had been so productive in, at Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the sixth game of the year was the Oregon State game, and he bruised his thumb early in that game, and and Cal was couldn't pass the ball at all against you know a not very good defense mm-hmm. and pretty much just started running the ball on most plays in the second half. And he just hasn't been quite exactly the same since then. Like, not a disaster, but not quite yeah. to the heights of, of the early in the season. So people are kind of speculating, okay, is, is it that he's still a little bit hurt? Is it just that the schedule has gotten tougher? Uh, Chad Hansen, our best wide receiver, had been out with some injuries. It's because he's missing his best target. Mm-hmm. Uh, the production, the production has declined, and nobody's entirely sure exactly why. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned rushing a little bit. Uh, some names Cougar fans are going to be familiar with because it's it's been guys who have played well against them in years past: Kalfani Muhammad, Trey Watson, Vic and Ware. Uh, all back there in the backfield for Cal, all averaging over five yards a touch. You mentioned Davis Webb having problems throwing the football. This has been a nice insurance policy to have for the Golden Bears, though, to have, like WSU has, three running backs that you, you can really depend on to uh, to pick up some yards when you need them to. Yeah, I will mention that Vic and Wary uh, is, is now out for the year. He picked up an injury a game Oof. and a half ago. Oof. Um, yeah, it, it keeps adding up. I, it, that one is one that we could manage because, like you mentioned, they've still got a couple of a trustworthy upperclassmen in, mm-hmm. in Watson and Muhammad. Um, Cal's running game is is really very similar to Washington State's in that, you know, they can run the ball real well when teams completely don't respect the run and have five men, occasionally six men boxes. Mm-hmm. Um it's been a little less productive over the last couple weeks because teams are kind of saw what we did to Oregon and Oregon State and paid a little more attention to the running game. Mm-hmm. Um, we also had a, a, our best guard out with back spasms against Washington. We're hoping to have him back against Washington State, but mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's only so much depth to the team, and every guy we lose decreases our ability to do some things a little bit. Yeah. 
You mentioned injuries a little bit. Uh, Chad Hansen, again, also, as you mentioned, team's best receiver, uh, got back on the field against Washington uh, last week. How, how important is getting him back uh, for this offense? Because like you just mentioned, Vic and Wary out for the year. Davis Webb might have been struggling a little bit without him. And just kind of having a guy like him who I you know kind of came out of nowhere this year, I don't think anybody really expected him to be the guy he is with 840 yards of receiving and nine touchdown catches. He's just kind of been – He's been that the go-to guy for Davis Webb in this offense. Yeah, well, he does a couple of things. I think the, the biggest thing is that you know that there are some guys who get pigeonholed into certain routes. He's a screen guy. He's a guy who only goes deep. He's a guy who's good over the middle. Hanson is the one wide receiver on the roster who can run any route well, mm-hmm. at least weighs 100%. And I didn't get the sense that he was – nearly as, as versatile and explosive in his first game back on his tender ankle that he had been earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. Maybe with another week uh, to get better, he'll be a little more explosive. But really, he's, he's critical for stretching the defense, um, keeping teams from, from uh, stacking up against the line and sending guys at the quarterback when he's available you know, one-on-one. That really helps out. Um, I got the sense that he was used a little bit as a decoy at, at times in the Washington game, and I hope that he's a little more 100% himself against the Cougars. Mm-hmm. You mentioned uh, Cal's issues on defense, Nick. Uh, just not very good in terms of their ranking and S&P, all the way down at 115th uh, in the nation, 94th against the run, 71st against the pass. And, and all the problems they've been having. Is this an injury issue for folks who aren't as familiar with the Golden Bears? Or is, again, like you mentioned earlier, this is uh, you know a couple of guys hurt, but also just not retaining and getting talent on the defense? Well, so it, it was a bad defense when everyone was healthy. <laughs> okay. And then some guys got hurt, and it got even worse. Yeah. Um, really, the front seven is pretty healthy. It's just mm-hmm. that the front seven wasn't really the strength of the defense anyway. Uh, the strength of the defense was the secondary, who, you know, considering that they had really no no meaningful pass rush to protect them, I think had done pretty well. They'd been preventing big plays, generally solid tackling. Um, they're, they lost their two top cornerbacks. Um, they've All their safety depth is injured. You know, they, they've really got, like, they maybe play seven deep, and most of those guys were not really supposed to see the field this year in any meaningful way. Mm-hmm. And so now, now there is no relative strength on the defense, right. and that's how you give up. You know, what are we averaging? Fifty-five points over the last two weeks, or yeah, whatever. It's not, and, not, not excellent. We'll put it that. Yeah, not, not great. Yeah. 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 Uh, coming into these last three games of the year, though, Nick, uh, still have a chance to get bowl eligible, sitting at four and five uh, for Cal. What what's kind of the general feeling on Sonny Dykes uh, now in his this is year number four for him uh, in Berkeley? How how is everybody feeling about Dykes? He did go to a bowl game last year, the Armed Forces Bowl, after being one and eleven his first year. I think you know that turnaround was going to take a while, but where is everybody kind of? right now with this football team and uh, where Sonny Dyke stands uh, with the fans? Uh, there's basically two schools of thought. The, the pro Dyke school of thought is he's, he really knows his offense. He made another great hire uh, with our new offensive coordinator who seems pretty sharp. They recruit well on that side of the ball. Um, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's give him a chance to hire a new defensive staff. Mm-hmm. to fix things, and and if he can get that in place to support the offense, then we could be pretty good. The other school of thought is, are we really going to let this guy have a third chance at hiring a defensive staff because he's on his second set of, of defensive coaches? Mm-hmm. Uh, so at this point, is it really the defensive staff, or is it that he doesn't know how to set up a program to develop a decent offense, mm-hmm. or a defense, excuse me, um, and I, I can see both sides of the story. I mean, the reality is that the Cal's defensive depth chart is to the point where I don't think it can be turned around in one year, even if he did make the right hire. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a rough choice. Um, I think that where most fans fall on that spectrum is really going to come down to how Cal does against Stanford and UCLA mm-hmm. because 
the fan base values wins over those teams so highly just from an emotional rivalry point of view. Mm-hmm. Those, I mean, I mean, just beyond Stanford, uh, you know, up up here in the Pacific Northwest or Southeast Alaska, as we prefer to call it, um, we don't we don't we don't have as much of an emphasis or as much of a, a knowledge of how important, you know, not just the rivalry between Cal and Stanford. I mean, the big game is the big game, so you know, it's 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 important, but how important it is for Cal and Stanford and UCLA and UC, USC and all all four of those teams to be the best team in the state of California. I mean, that that does have a lot of importance to each one of those teams, doesn't it? Yeah, well, uh, particularly for Cal, uh, UCLA is, is a really critical rivalry just because the profiles of the programs are so similar in terms of you know, being public schools uh, in, within the same system who typically recruit very much the same type of guys. And mm-hmm. so... If you can beat UCLA, then you're probably going to be winning the recruiting battles in the state. And uh, Cal has not been winning those recruiting battles, and they have not been winning those games. Um, Stanford and USC, they don't generally go after quite the same type of guys for various reasons, uh, although Cal has kind of been moving a little bit towards the Stanford recruiting profile. Mm-hmm. But... Um, you know, we're, we're surrounded by alumni of those same schools. These are the bragging right games. And, you know, in terms of if you're a Cal coach and you want the boosters to support you, uh, you can get get away with a lot of sins if you win occasional games against the other teams in California. Mm-hmm. Last year, uh, a pretty decently close game uh, between these two teams in Berkeley. Uh, you know, I, I think one that kind of, I think a lot of Cougar fans kind of think that one got away from them. Uh, a little bit I think uh, certainly a game WSU could have won should have won uh, and then the year before uh, what an awful football game it ended up being good for Cal uh, but just just uh, if you like points you loved that football game the year before that uh, so every time these teams meet up uh, with Mike Leach as the head coach and Sonny Dykes as the head coach uh, it tends to kind of look like a slot machine that's gone off its you know off its tilt uh, give me a prediction for Saturday. What do you think is going to happen uh, once this game gets over at like twelve fifteen in the morning? Yeah. Um, well, I would say you know the good news for Washington State fans is I think you're getting Cal at the right time. Um, I I think that if this game happened in early October, it'd be much more of a close game. You know, partly because Washington State's been getting better as the year goes on, whereas mm-hmm. Cal has been getting uh, depending on how cynical you are, either more injured or just worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, particularly against a team like Washington State, Cal just doesn't have enough bodies in the secondary to guard everybody that Washington State's going to throw at him. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't really see any reason logically to expect this game to be close. I mean, if, if you're saying it's going to be a close game, then you're basically just saying, like, well, these are two weird teams playing at a weird time of night in a weird place, and so things will be weird. <laughs> but that's, you know, not really a, 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 an argument with any facts to back it up. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, you know, probably something like 55 to 31 mm-hmm. Washington State seems like a, a reasonable prediction. You know, Pullman can be a very weird place at night. I, uh, I won't... Uh... I won't deny that. Uh, Nicholas Krantz from California Golden Blogs joining us here on the podcast. Thank you very much for your insights on the Golden Bears, sir. Yeah, Thanks to Nick again for joining us and giving us some insights on the California Golden Bears as they head up to Pullman 
uh, this weekend for another late game start. Uh, I hate this TV contract. Um, I want to talk about something that uh, I'm kind of liking this new segment where I talk about something else. It's more of me talking. It really feeds the ego. Um, <laughs> hey, I can admit it. Something that is kind of bugged me, and I know it shouldn't, but I'm a weak man, as is evidenced by the fact that I have an energy drink right next to my computer, and I'm supposed to not be drinking these as much anymore. Facebook comments. Yeah, I know. Just stick with me for a second. Uh, Kook Center obviously has a Facebook page, and uh, whenever we put kind of anything to do with looking down the line at other games or, you know, whatever. So I, I, I do the bowl projections every week, which are fine now because WSU is obviously bowl eligible. Every single friggin' week, every single one, there are multiple people who will comment, focus on the next week. Focus on Cal. Or last week. Focus on Arizona. Just focus on Arizona. One game at a time. One game at a time. Am I the only one who's, like, really bugged by that? Are you on the football team? Are you a coach? Are you a player? Rather, student-athlete? Are you one of the people on the team that should really only be focusing on one game at a time? Are you? No. You're a fan? So shut up and enjoy it. Or if you don't want to read it, don't read it. Don't say anything. But the mentality of focus on one game at a time from fans, are you kidding me? Part of the reason why it's so cool being a fan is we don't have to do that. I can look at hotels for the Alamo Bowl. I can look at teams that could possibly play in the Alamo Bowl and start looking at who they could be facing. Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy's mullet. I would love to go play that football team and Mike Gundy's mullet. Are you kidding me with how fun that would be? That's part of the point of being a fan. That's part of the point of not being on the team, of not being a coach, of just being an idiot with a podcast. It's that you get to do that kind of stuff. And I, I don't know where this, this has come from. I, I feel like this is relatively recent. Maybe it has more to do with the fact that WSU's success is fairly recent. And so... The ability to quote unquote focus on one, you know, you know, look ahead to bull eligibility is a new thing. But I feel like this is new. Maybe it's because I live in an area where so many people have a hashtag twelve in their profile because they think they're on the professional football team in Seattle. Maybe that's why. But I I don't like this mentality of focus on one game at a time. Focus on one game at a time. You're a fan. Part of the point of being a fan is you get to do stupid crap like that. You get to look ahead to the Apple Cup. You get to look ahead to the game against Colorado. You get to do all of those things. You don't just need to focus on the schedule one thing at a time. If that's all we ever did as a website, no one would come to the website. Because it's not fun. It's not fun to just focus on it one game at a time if you are not on the football team. If you are not actively doing things to try and defeat the other team. If you are not planning ways to exploit Cal's poor rushing defense, their poor passing defense, and keying in on Chet Hansen and trying to figure out what to do to get to Davis Webb behind that offensive line. It is more fun to focus ahead, but if you're not doing any of that crap, you don't need to focus on one game at a time. Who cares? Football is only so long. I need to talk about as much crap as I possibly can on a yearly basis. WSU will either play 13 or 14 games this year. I want to be able to focus on future stuff too. I do not understand the mentality of one game at a time. Do you come home after your job every day and fire up one of those old reels and put a you know put a film reel on a fire one of those old reels fire up an old projector put one of those old film reels on there and watch game tape like Denzel Washington and remember the Titans? Do you do that? 
No, you don't. So why must we always, why must some people insist that we have to only, you must focus on only one game at a time. One game at a time. Not anything else. It's boring. Who wants to live life boring? It's not exciting. It's not exciting getting an agony over watching you dub stomp over Cal last weekend. Borrowing trouble. It's not it's not fun watching Colorado and UCLA whatever that was. An abomination for one day. That was an awful football game. But watching that game and thinking you got a really good shot at Colorado, you don't do that. You don't do that. You must be a riot at parties if you don't. You must be the person everybody wants to hang out with. This rise of one game at a time, one game at a time. Who cares, man? It's so much more fun to focus on and to think about these other things. It's so much more fun to do that. Let me assure you, if you're focusing on one game at a time, you're not having as much fun as you could have in a season. Because again, football is short. And there's only so much I can think about on a week-to-week basis against uh, about the Cal Golden Bears. I already spit it out at the beginning of this show, and it was only like half of the opening segment. And that's like all I got. Now, Nick and I, we, we talked about it too, but that, that is his knowledge. I, we can talk about the Cougs. We can talk about a ton about them. But the season is so short, and there are so few games that, yeah, you, you look ahead. It's not like baseball where there's a game every single friggin' day. Or like basketball, NBA basketball, where there are multiple games per week. And until you get to the end of, you know, the end of the playoffs, or, you know, end of the regular season close to the playoffs when you're fighting for those seeds, that, yeah, okay, now I'm going to start focusing a few games out. Football is short. There are 12 regular season games. 12. One per week. One game a week. Could I focus on one game at a time? Yes, but it's not as fun because there are only 12 of them in the regular season. You will have much more fun as a fan if you allow yourself to be open to looking at bowl projections. And to going on Expedia and looking up airfares to San Antonio. They're expensive right now, don't bother. You'll have more fun. I guarantee it. I'm like that guy. I'm like the guy from Men's Warehouse. I guarantee it. I guarantee you will have more fun if you read bowl projections, if you look up airfares, hotels, whatever else. You'll have more fun. It's not as fun. Nope, I'm only only focused on Cal. Only focused on Cal right now. Man, who cares? They're going to beat them. It's just, it, trust me, this way is wherever. Let, let's let's sit let's sit down. Let, let's rap about this. I'm turning my chair around and sitting on it backwards, so you know I'm like cool, like the kids do. I was not cool in high school, by the way. I don't know if you picked up on that. You're going to have more fun doing it this way. You're going to have more fun doing it my way. You're going to have more fun focusing on everything, talking about everything, looking at everything you can. About Colorado, about UW, about bowl games. You're going to have more fun doing it that way. You know why? You know why you're going to have more fun doing it that way? Because instead of taking it like the team is 0-0 zero and zero every week and just trying to get to 1-0, and oh, you're going to take it like this football team lost to Eastern and Boise State and then rattled off seven straight friggin' wins in the Pac-12 plus one against Idaho. So six straight wins in the Pac-12 plus Idaho. You're going to have a lot more fun focusing on a 7-2 and two football team. You're going to have a lot more fun looking at how much better this team has gotten over the year and how amazed you are at how much better they are. You're going to have a lot more fun texting friends, trying to figure out how the hell you're going to get to each city where they could go to a bowl game. You're going to have a lot more fun doing that than just focusing on one game at a time. Do I want the coaches and the players to do that? You bet. Absolutely. But they're the ones that need to do that. They're the ones that have to do it that way. Because anything else for them is counterproductive. But I can 
guarantee, I guarantee you, guarantee. This is a Michael Preston guarantee. You can take this to the bank. There are players and coaches on that team that read bull projections. There are. Maybe not Mike Leach because he's a weird dude. <laughs> but there are players and coaches on that team that read bull projections. I guarantee it. Guarantee it. They read a lot of stuff. Just like any of us would want to read anything written about us. So if they can do it, you can do it. Dunderhead of the Week, Ask Michael Anything, coming up next. Thunderhead of the week time. And we're still, we are holding fast to our policy. We are not talking politics on this show. We are not going to do that. This is an escape from all of that. I appreciate it. Especially because on election night, I eat a lot of pizza. Because I work in news. And it's the only thing we get on election night is a crap load of pizza. Because we have a lot of work to do. We're going to stay away from that completely. And I, I do, I, Stephen A. Smith. And I know I don't pound your head on the table yet. The guy is very easy to pick on, right? Because he's, just, he's very loud and brash. And I will admit, it's it's hard to have sports opinions for hours on end every day and not contradict yourself or at some point sound like an idiot. Any sports talk show host will tell you that. But there are sometimes just some pretty basic tenets and facts uh, that you have to get right. On yesterday's first take show, when asked who his MVP for so far the season was uh, for the NFL, Stephen A. Smith answered, David Carr. David Carr is the older brother of current Raiders quarterback and NFL MVP candidate, Derek Carr. Both did go to Fresno State. Both played for the Raiders. I believe David played for the Raiders at one point in his career. One is wildly more successful in the NFL than the other was. That would be Derek Carr. Who is that? I have, I had never heard David Carr's name mentioned in the same breath as breath as an MVP conversation. Ever. It just did never happen. Derek Carr is the one you're looking for there, Stephen. Very happy to help you out with that. Derek is his name, not David. Ah, yeah, I get it. Same first letter. You know, it can be tough. Remember names is tough when you know a lot of people. I have a hard time remembering names. Maybe not mixing up those two quarterbacks, though. Slightly different in terms of professional success just a little bit ask Michael anything time ask Michael anything and we do mean anything here on the kook center hour Anthony at a Rathburn, I think, 13 on Twitter. If you could have hired a WSU's head coach in 2008, who would it have been? What kind of sandwich should Joe Doyle WSU have him? What's your favorite WSU QB? Uh, we'll work backwards here. My favorite WSU QB is Kevin Lopina, obviously. 
Probably Drew Bledsoe, although I wasn't around enough. Uh, I wasn't a. I was very, very young when he was playing. Uh, but just watching the highlights, the guy was just nuttily good. What kind of sandwich did Joe Doyle WSU have? Uh, I had a leftover BLT this morning, and as you know, we are uh, sandwich aficionados here on the Cook Center. But I would, I would really craving an Italian grinder today, some or tats uh, in Seattle. But I, uh, Italian grinder, I, you know, the dressing that goes on those. I really like that. And if I could have hired someone to do that, who would it have been? I didn't know enough at the time. I mean, Kevin Sumlin, looking back on it, was probably the right choice. But maybe without hiring Paul Paul Wolf, you don't get to Mike Leach. So, I, I mean, I you know, hindsight being what it is, you can say you would have hired somebody else. But at the time, Paul Wolf was probably the right hire uh, for them. At not Kenna Matthew K. Best comeback besides your mom jokes for me to use with coworkers who are obnoxious Husky fans. Just ask them if they know your brother Owen. And when they ask what his last name is, tell him it's 12. At BDenny29, Brad Denny, what do I win when my Cougs Pac-12 championship prediction comes true? You win a hearty pat on the back from me, and uh, and if I see you in San Francisco for the Pac-12 championship game, uh, all the beer you can drink. Because it, it really is just... I, I, I would be willing to buy you all the beer you can drink in that situation. At Ryan Callie 18, Ryan Callahan, approximately what time will the fans be leaving Martin Stadium Sunday? <laughs> Kickoff at 7.30 against Cal and WSU. Uh, there's just no way this game gets over before 11.30, right? There's no way. Uh, I actually think there's a decent chance it ends after midnight. I'll say 12.10, 12.10 a.m. I'll go with that. Uh, at KVRP Jeff, Jeff Duncan who is a sports director in Stamford, Texas, all the way down in Texas. Any more talk of Martin Stadium expansion? No. I mean, I, I don't think we've heard uh, I don't think we've heard anything about that. And I, I, I frankly think anything's a little premature until you're really and truly selling out games on a consistent basis. I mean, they've been selling out uh, plenty of games this year, but it just, you know, they're, they're not selling out enough for me to be happy with expanding at all. I think if you're going to do anything, you add more sweets. Uh, and I, I've always had the idea, you remove the crimson and put some sweets in down in the lower end zone there, but... A damn Davis. See, I'm saying his name right now. How would you fix left lane speed limits or underdrivers? In Michael Preston's America, in Michael Preston's America, you get those helicopters with the big magnet, like in that uh, one James Bond movie, I think it was You Only Live Twice. And those just like hover over the freeway watching for it. And anybody who's doing that, it just goes down and picks up the car and removes it off the freeway. I don't care how expensive that is. That's what I would do about it. Washington State, 52. Cal, 38. Lots of firepower. Lots of points in this one. I think WSU's got enough to overcome it, though. We'll talk to you next week on the Kook Center Hour.